Welcome to another edition of the YXE Sports Podcast, live on the Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar Facebook page. We're also live at YXE Sports Podcast on their Facebook page as well. It is the final day of November. It's hard to believe with these temperatures, Ray Morrison, that December is right around the corner, but here we are. And in 22 days, the days get longer. Yeah, that's right. Look at you being all optimistic. There it, there it is. Never say I'm not optimistic on a Monday. Well, I oh, guess it was a great day today. Yeah, it was. And really I think good. the majority of the week is supposed to be like this. Now, the real good. question is, I've been growing this mustache for November. So me and my roommate were having this discussion. Of course, November has come to an end. Yeah. Today is the last day. But now this brings up Duster December. <laughs> right? So yeah. now the the question is, do I keep it or do I shave it? Ah. Maybe I'll let the YXE Sports Podcast faithful decide. Okay. So That'd be a that. heck yeah. of an idea. Maybe I'll leave it for a few days. I don't know. Viewers and listeners and uh, yeah. those online can decide if you keep that for December or not. Yeah, I feel like I know what the I general consensus would, say, would yeah. be. but <laughs> I do. I think people yeah. would say, yeah. Yeah. For the lone sole purpose of being able to hurl more abuse at you. <laughs> They see pleasure <laughs> just, in my just, pain. Just the yeah, just the enjoyment that that brings to people. Yeah, yeah exactly. so it'll be interesting. It was another interesting <laughs> weekend, as the majority of weekends are in 2020. Of course, the NFL season continues to roll on to the best of their ability. Yeah. Of course, last week, last Thursday was American Thanksgiving. So typically, there's always a few NFL games for American Thanksgiving. It had two last Thursday. It had the Houston Texans and the Detroit Lions, which Houston absolutely walked all over Detroit, which actually led to the firing of Detroit Lions head coach Matt Patricia and their general manager Bob Quinn, which a lot of current and former Detroit Lions players were quite happy about. So what does that tell you about changes in Jacksonville? Of course, they fired their general manager. But the one that you you had an issue with, was the uh, Dallas Cowboys well, versus Washington? Yes, no, I did not. Did you not? Did you not wonder what the hell the Dallas Cowboys were doing <laughs> in that football game? I did, no, did, I agree. Did you not? So I, I don't. I don't understand this. There were two. Like it's not like if you're Dallas, it's not, you're not playing Kansas City. You're not playing Pittsburgh. You're not even playing Green Bay, right? You're playing the Washington football team. So uh, down twenty to sixteen early in the fourth quarter. What, what does Dallas do? They call for a fake punt from their 24-yard line in a four-point ball game. Now, it, it, you got three wins, so we can start there. You've got three victories on the season, so that's what you've decided to do. But from your 24-yard line, you call a fourth-down fake punt, which your ball carrier, now that you've gambled, is standing back at his own 10-yard line. This play didn't even get back to the line of scrimmage. They were two yards short of the line of scrimmage, had to give up the football, and on the very next play, Washington scored a touchdown. So your 20-16 deficit is now now you're down by 11 points instead of four. Right. Right. It made no sense at all. So Antonio Gibson runs 24 yards for the score. Then Gibson runs 35 yards untouched (laughs) with about four minutes to go. Like, there was no tackling or anything on the play from the Dallas Cowboys. And now you're down again. And then, in the final minute and a half or whatever it was, it was Montez Sweat, the big defensive lineman for the Washington football team, standing over Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton tries to throw this football with Sweat draped all over him at about the six-yard line. And what happens? Sweat takes that into the end zone. So I'm settled <laughs> in. I finally get to relax for a quarter of football on Thursday. And I've got to witness the Dallas Cowboys just tank it 
<laughs> and I was angry because, and I'm not a Washington nor a Dallas fan, to be totally honest with you, but I just, I had no clue what they were doing. Who would have called that fake punt? Because that <laughs> was the beginning of the end, right? Yeah. Yeah, John Fossil, he was the interim head coach of the Los Angeles Rams before McVeigh took over. So when they were back in St. Louis, probably, for that final year. Um, or no? Yeah, 15, 16, yeah, Maybe. somewhere in yeah, there. After and, Jeff Fisher. Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, so he's now the special teams coordinator in Dallas. Yeah. So I don't know if that's his call or you would, McCarthy's or I don't know what Dallas was doing. You there. would think McCarthy would probably final get probably get final say. You'd think Fossil would have gone up yeah. to McCarthy yeah, and for whatever reason. 14 minutes of football that just made no sense at all. It for, just, there was no rhyme or reason to what the Cowboys were doing there whatsoever. Of course, this is all kind of set up by the fact that the Chicago Bears got absolutely killed on Sunday night football last night at the hands of the Green Bay Packers. Bears head coach Matt Nagy said he hopes that nobody on his team slept last night because they shouldn't have, and his team should be embarrassed. But your point is that if anybody should be embarrassed from this weekend, it should be the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But remember we talked a couple weeks ago about, you know, Trubisky and which way Chicago was going to go because they started 5-1, and then they lost a couple games. And I said, it's going to be interesting which way this Bears team goes. And now, they, after that, they ran into all sorts of quarterback issues. Trubisky was back in last night, but they still couldn't get it yeah. done. So we're seeing which way it goes. But, yeah, Nagy, quote, I hope none of us slept last night. <laughs> if you really care and you understand what we put out last night, then you'll fix it. As yeah. I said, the Bears started 5-1, and one, and now they're 5-6 and six on the year. Well, and 3-0. and oh, So they were 3-0 and oh to 5-1 and one to now 5-6. Yeah. and six. It was just a weird, like I said, weird, wacky weekend in the NFL. Of course, the Denver Broncos, my favorite team, got absolutely crushed by the New Orleans Saints. Now, the Wildcat Broncos. A lot of people would have seen this coming, considering the situation that the Denver Broncos were in. So to take you through, in case you were under a rock all weekend, Saturday (laughs) evening, it was announced that no Denver quarterback quarterback was eligible to play. Their backup quarterback, Jeff Driscoll, had contracted COVID-19. All other quarterbacks on the roster were considered close contacts, which means they wouldn't have been cleared in time to play on Sunday against the Saints. Don't have time to sign anybody, considering that kickoff is less than 24 hours away. So what do the Denver Broncos do? They bring up practice squad receiver Kendall Hinton, who played quarterback at Wake Forest in university to play quarterback. Two starts. Two college starts. Yeah. And he was one for nine uh, with two interceptions. So he had 13 yards passing and two interceptions. The last time somebody completed more interceptions than completions was back in 97 or 98. We were watching the broadcast. But you had an interesting point about this. So, you know, it's in the NFL. It's, you know, the top football league in the world and everybody in the NFL. Oh, yeah, you know, it's, you know, COVID, this happens, blah, blah, blah. But if this happened uh, in the league that is north of the border, of course, the Canadian Football League, people would have a very different feeling about what kind of league it is. Yeah, the central Canadian media would have teed off on the Canadian Football League. Had they had three quarterbacks gone down to COVID, it would have been the worst thing ever. But in the United States, it's ironic. I think a lot of people tuned into that Denver Broncos game just to see how the Broncos were going to make out without a quarterback. So it's just so different uh, on one side of the border versus the other. What's interesting, though, and I took this screenshot from one of the pregame shows uh, on Sunday, and I can't remember exactly which pregame show I got this off of, whether it was uh, Fox or whether it was from CBS. But anyway, um, 43 additions to the COVID reserve list going into Sunday. Right. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, a couple on the Baltimore. We talked about uh, Denver. 
uh, Locke, Rippon, Bortles. That's that's crazy that yeah. three quarterbacks would, would be going through that. Uh, and Larry Fitzgerald, as you mentioned. Yeah. But some big-name players, like right. not not in the lineup because of COVID. So the, but, uh, that makes it tough. The Broncos quarterbacks were cleared as of today. So, yeah. um, you know, they're all good and they've tested negative so they can get back to the practice field. But, yeah, I, I you know totally agree with the sentiment that if this did happen in the Canadian Football League, it would be Bush League this, Bush League oh, yeah. that, yeah. that sort of thing, right? So it's just weird to see how the two leagues work. Seahawks-Eagles tonight? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see which Philadelphia Eagles team shows up. I know, uh, yeah, I think, uh, well, the funny the part is, is that they're still in the hunt for the NFC East to lead. It's amazing. <laughs> I think the New York Giants are in first right now. It's either them or Washington with a record of 4-7, and seven, and the Philadelphia Eagles could be right up there. And then just before we hit the air, yeah. originally the Baltimore Ravens and Pittsburgh Steelers, which were was supposed to be played on Thanksgiving Thursday, uh, then originally got moved to tomorrow due to the Ravens' positive COVID tests. Has now been moved to Wednesday. The Steelers uh, and the Washington football team's game that I think was supposed to be played on Thursday has now been moved to the following Monday or Tuesday. So the NFL having to do some uh, rejigging of the schedule yeah. here over the course of the last few weeks. But yeah. uh, that no, Pittsburgh-Baltimore uh, game might be interesting on Wednesday. Of course, uh, I don't think Lamar Jackson can play. I think they've already ruled him out because yeah. he's one of the players yeah, on the COVID on list. The COVID so. list. And not only that, San Francisco is going to play their next two home games yep. in Arizona. Yep. I mean, just in the that which area isn't the isn't their fault. No. Right. No, it's just yep. that area of of California is just so hard hit. And they got to make some rules. Even in and I'll just get this in uh, November thirtieth, our drop date. Even in Saskatchewan now, we had three hundred twenty five cases today. So keep distant. Wear a mask. We don't want to shut down businesses, but just be be smart. Actually, one hundred twenty three in hospital in Saskatchewan, and right now. Um, our active cases are actually close to our recovered cases now. And oh, okay. that wasn't the yeah. case a few months ago. Yeah. So just be, be smart out there if you, if you can. Again, keep your masks on. We all want to have a great Christmas and a great holiday, but just be smart so we can keep our businesses like this one we're in. Yeah. Right? Keep, them, keep them open. Small businesses yeah. drive Saskatchewan, so yep. that's what we're trying to do. Of course, if you're watching the live webcast on Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar's Facebook page or the YC Sports Podcast Facebook page, you will notice a little bit of a change in scenery. So behind us are a bunch of old Saskatoon Blades scrapbooks. There's things from the early 80s, the mid 80s, the late 90s. So this is a new addition to Wendell Clark's classic grill and bar. So yeah, there's I think some classic there's, things. Yeah, there. there's uh, and of course uh, Wendell Clark uh, himself is in some of these scrapbooks yeah. as well. So yeah, that's fantastic. That, I, I, that's Greg Holtby. That is Braden Holtby's <laughs> uh, dad. There, Greg from Marshall, when he played goal for the Saskatoon Blades, uh, and I don't think Greg Holtby. It's kind of funny because Braden is such a dominating presence in the net. I get to get a little closer to my mic here. I don't think that Greg. Stood five foot nine. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't a very tall goalie, but he was a good goaltender in the day. So, uh, Devin Olenek is also on this page. So, yeah, this is some great stuff. So, if you notice our scenery, and who did you say these came from? Edward Nowakowski yeah. created these. So, man, that That's these great. are awesome. I'm gonna put these back because I'm gonna get in trouble. They're gonna accuse me of walking out. With yeah, one. exactly. So, but yeah, there's some great things from the old Saskatoon Arena in there from the Sastel Center as well. But. The old Saskatoon Arena, I mean, those, yeah, Wendell Clark, uh, Greg Holtby, uh, you know, even looking through, and I mean, this is something that kind of appeals to you and me maybe more so than 
you know, the average person, but even some of the newspaper clippings, some of the yep. uh, writers that worked at the Star Phoenix back in the day, like even to see some of them who have wrote articles on the blades and followed the well, blades it, in the it past. It's interesting because a friend of mine, Ken Juba, is uh, he's based in Saskatoon now, and he was a successful business owner here, just recently retired. But he was a writer after he was done at the Saskatoon Star Phoenix. He wrote for the Hockey News, and he was based in New York. And he actually went with any Saskatoon blades, and we know what a what a lifeline Saskatchewan was to the New York Islanders in the day. Some of the great players from right. Saskatchewan that played on the New York Islanders. Well, Ken Juba would, you know, have a soft spot for those players, mm-hmm. no doubt, and would obviously write some articles about the Saskatchewan players with the Rangers or Islanders or whatever. But uh, Bob Duff is another name that uh, a lot of people, he's at the Windsor Star now, I do believe. And Bob was a writer for the Star Phoenix in the day. He covered the Saskatoon Blades. And, you know, in, in those media days, you actually traveled with the team and covered their entire seasons and that sort of thing. But Bob Duff, Dave Kamoski was another one. So, yeah, on top of the great pictures of, uh, you know, people like uh, Marcel Como and, uh, you know, and Darryl all the names of, you know, Bocas and Drager and Ballhofer and some of the great names, uh, some great writers and some great articles in those books here at Wendell's as well. Yeah, it's absolutely awesome to see. Yeah. So, yeah, like good. I said, we are live at Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar, as we always are every Monday night for the YXE Sports Podcast. Well, right now, for the next nine weeks, you could walk out of here with a mini fridge. How awesome would that be? Super simple as well. All you have to do is come in, fill out your information, your name, your phone number on the back of your receipt, put it in the box. If you don't know where the box is, the lovely staff here will uh, find the box, put it in the box for you. And that's it. Then you're entered to win a mini fridge courtesy of one of Clark's Classic Grill and Bar. And they have nine of these, I believe. So they are giving them away uh, over the course of the next nine weeks, one per week. So make sure you come on down to Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar on the corner of Circle and Idlewild. Of course, they also have the same great delivery that they always have as well. So if you want to go that route, give them a call at 306-382-1717. The NHL, well... They might be back. They might not be back. Nobody really knows. Of course, everybody is hoping, Ray Morrison, that they get underway yep. uh, to kick off the new year, 2021. But that might not be the case. But anyways, let's just be optimistic and say that it is the case. It sounds like the All-Canadian Division will be a go-ahead for 2021. Well, Travis Yost wrote an interesting article from TSN, and he was talking about, you know, what are the options for the National Hockey League if, when the season starts, players can't, you know, you can't freely get planes across the border one way or the other. What would that look like? And, of course, you'd have the all-Canadian division, and that's what I forgot to bring. I'll bring it maybe next week or the week after, is uh, Wild Bill's book, right. Bill Hunter, because he was always the one that talked about how a Canadian division in the National Hockey League would be the greatest thing and how they'd kick the Americans all over the ice. He was just <laughs> a great promoter. He's just a terrific guy yeah. and a great promoter. But Travis Yost wrote an interesting thing about how what a proposed regional division setup might look like. So this might be an option. There might be some speculation in this, but a West Division, so there would be five divisions, right? The West Division would have Anaheim, Arizona, Colorado, L.A., San Jose, and Vegas. So that would be your division for the West, the three California teams, and then those closest. Then you'd have a Southern Division, right? Your two Florida teams, Florida and Tampa Bay, St. Louis, Nashville, Dallas, and Carolina would be there to limit travel. And then you'd have what he called the Lakes Division, which would be around the Great Lakes. So you'd have Buffalo, you'd have Columbus, you'd have Chicago, Detroit, Minnesota, and Pittsburgh, because Pittsburgh is kind of on that western side of Pennsylvania. And then the East Division would have Boston, you'd have New Jersey, you'd have the Islanders, Rangers, Philadelphia, and Washington. So you'd have five divisions. 
basically. Now, what you do with the playoffs at that point, I have no idea. But, <laughs> but we don't have to make that decision. But we don't have to make that decision. <laughs> I mean, it would be easy to come up with a playoff right. format if yeah, you wanted to. But, for sure. But, um, yeah, that was, that was one of the things that's uh, at least being talked about, which I think would be even in you know, a non- interesting. You know, I, and I think the NHL is probably banking on this, Matt, that let's say you started a season in January. Yeah. Right? Whether it's an abbreviated season or not. You know, by the time April playoff time comes around, maybe the vaccines are rolling yeah. and maybe this whole situation is improved. And, you know, yeah. you, you, can't, you can't blame the National Hockey League for trying to at least come up with a plan and plan ahead. You can't stay stagnant until, you know, like no business can, can yeah. do that, right? You have to be thinking ahead. You have to have an attack plan. You have to have an attack plan. Yeah. Exactly. No, yeah. for sure. I, I mean, hey, even those divisions, whether they be plausible when things get back to normal or not, I don't know. But even those divisions, you know, just based on travel and geography, when we do get back to a full 82-game season from October to June, I think that would be awesome for some rivalries. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yep. Like if you were to do those divisions? I mean, because yep. what did you say? I think obviously by plane, but the closest or the farthest well, I, I place don't know a how team would travel. This, I don't know how he had this figured out, but the average time between teams in these divisions, I mean, Canada would be the worst, yes. right? Because yeah. Toronto yeah. to Vancouver, right. Montreal to Vancouver would yeah. be long. But that East division... Average time between teams would be 15 minutes. In the Lakes Division, 34. Right. In the South, 66. And in the West, 43. Yeah. Right? That'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. Based off of a rivalry standpoint. Yeah. And if it was a shorter season, I mean, you build yeah. up a little hate, but not have it go on too long before you get to the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then depending on what the playoffs, you know, that's a whole other yeah. situation as well. So it'll be interesting to keep our eyes on that. But uh, some NHL owners, not all, some believe it's just better off if they don't play at all during the 2020-2021 season. Of course, some owners project that they're in for a $150 million loss, which I don't care how rich you are or how successful your team is, that's a big loss. So it'll be interesting to see what the NHL does. I think we're all hoping that the NHL does go ahead with uh, the plan starting, hopefully, in January. Even the NBA has a plan. Yeah. They're actually starting training camp later this week, and they're projected to kick off before Christmas, or yep. tip off, I guess I should, I should say. Before Christmas. Plan so, ahead. Yeah. Speaking of sports, moving to Major League Baseball, this came down the wire over the weekend towards the end of last week. The Toronto Blue Jays could be in for a new stadium. That's right. The Rogers Center could be no more. Of course, this comes from Andrew Willis from the Globe and Mail. So the plan would see a stadium built on the south end of the current site, which would be lakefront. So if you've ever, you know, watched a, a Toronto game or seen the Toronto skyline, It'll kind of be right there at the lakes. Um, then Rogers Center, the current Rogers Center, would be demolished. It would be replaced with office buildings, stores, etc., things like that. And here's the cool thing is that it would be privately funded by Rogers, which yeah. is a big step. Now, it is on government yep. land, so there's a bunch of approvals that still need to get, you know, yep. have to be gone through. And with our current federal government, that could take a while. But... The fact that it's privately funded, you would think, has to give them a little bit of a head start. Yeah, Rogers is working with a company called Brookfield Asset Management yeah. on a plan to try to get this thing kind of uh, rolling and underway. And one of the reasons why you can't put it on the existing site is because, as you said, it would take six, seven years to build. Right. Right? So yeah. you can't, you know, suspend your season for that long. So yeah. you need you need Rogers Center to be open while that is while that's happening. But uh it's an interesting time to bring it up now because a lot of Canadians are hurting. This doesn't right. sit well with yeah. a lot of people. But on the other side of the coin, you know, these are the things that kind of get economies going when you 
undertake. So it depends on if you're a, you know, kind of a, a capitalist or <laughs> not so much. That's generally in every city, no matter where an arena or a stadium is built. These are the conversations that go on, and it looks like Toronto's. I'd love to talk about this for these for the, for this kind of debate. I'd love to talk about the Saskatoon Arena situation, but we don't have enough time for that. But the idea behind the Toronto Stadium situation, I've been to Toronto once. I've been to the Rogers Center once, but a yeah. lot of people see the current Rogers Center as a bit of an eyesore in mm-hmm. downtown Toronto. Well, now, it's I an old building. Yeah, I haven't been to Toronto enough to to you know maybe yeah. realize or notice that, yeah, but that's it, what a lot of people it's think. It's an old building. Yeah. And in terms of MLB stadiums, it's kind of in the lower I was echelon. in there when it was a year old. I was in there for the 1990 Vanier Cup. Oh, okay. Uh, the Huskies beat St. Mary's, yep. and I was uh, there for that. The last time I was in that building, I believe, was 2007 when the Winnipeg Blue Bombers took on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the Grey Cup game. And I vowed never to go back to a Grey Cup game in Toronto after that. Just the indifference of that city to the Canadian Football League just angered me so much. I've never seen Canada's biggest city try to act so much un-Canadian as compared to Grey Cup Week. That's just what it, it just, so I've never, I've never gone back. I will never, I will never go to another Grey Cup game in Toronto, no matter where it's played. Well, and who was the... Who is, so like we said, you were at 2007, and we actually talked about the 2007 Grey Cup last week because we were talking about the Riders and the Grey yeah. Cups and stuff, but yeah. who was it? Were you with Warren Woods, and you walked into the Tim Hortons oh, yeah, or we whatever? Walked, yeah. yeah, I probably told this story too, but I walk out, and it was an hour and a half before the kickoff of the Grey Cup game, and I walk out, and we walk out to a Tim Hortons. I think it's on, I don't know, Front Street or... Anyway, it's just, you can see the yeah. building from there, and we had done all our prep work for the game we're waiting for the game and of course the great thing about the winnipeg saskatchewan rivalry is you've got the watermelon bras and the body paint and the you know the gold wigs and the bomber fans and the guy behind the counter when i get to the front of the counter looks at me and says and i quote (laughs) why is everybody dressed up (laughs) and i was just in a race and that and that was and that summed up everybody in toronto that i had run into with regards to that great cup game and so when it came back to BMO a few years ago, I was asking, no, <laughs> no. no, thanks. I'm not Which is so it. weird because when I was there, uh, so I was in Toronto in 2015, and that was the first year the Jays were back in the playoffs. You were one of the Jays games against went to game one of the, Texas. Yeah, went to yeah. game one of the ALDS against the Texas Rangers, and then uh, we went to Boston Pizza on Front Street, which is right yeah. by the stadium, to watch game two. Couldn't get tickets to game two because our flight was leaving, and it couldn't have been more different. It was Jays everything. Oh, yeah. Right, so just no. yeah, the difference in in the sports in Toronto is weird. Of course, they do love their Leafs. I love my Leafs. So yeah. myself in the and city of Toronto wrong with that. have there's that in common. No, yeah, that's great. nope, uh, for sure. Uh, we do want to get this in before uh, we do wrap up because, well, I mean, disaster was avoided. So we do make fun of Ian Roach and F one a lot on the show, but there yeah. was quite a a serious crash yesterday uh, in F one. But uh, thankfully, no severe. To this point, no severe injuries, but Romain Grosjean uh, crashed. His F1 vehicle caught on fire. He has burns to the back of both of his hands, but he did shoot a video from his hospital bed to his fans and to F1 fans saying that he was okay, but to see the footage of that crash was like, oh, holy, yeah, how do you no. make it out You know, relatively unscathed? Well, and I think there were some broken ribs, too. Yeah. So, you know, burned ankles, burned hands, hands and some yeah. broken ribs, but the pictures of him walking away from that car... It's just, yeah, it, it's an image that uh, is just, you know, it just kind of illustrates how these guys kind of put it, put it all on the line for something they love all yep. the time. And I couldn't help but to think about something that happened about 20 years ago with Greg Moore, a Canadian driver who actually 
perished right on live television. And you, you just, and it was just summed up that, you know what, these people, this is what they do. Yep. They know this is a risk, but the love of this sport kind of supersedes that. So so that's interesting. Lewis Hamilton did win his seventh world championship, uh, by the way. And He's very uh, good from what producer Ian tells me. Yeah. Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. 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 We're, <laughs> we're reminded of that. Yeah. Lance Stroll, the Canadian, he didn't finish. No, okay. No. So, there you go. I think that does wrap it up for another edition of the YXE Sports Podcast for November 30th. So make sure that you let me know if I should keep this um, duster December or if I should shave this thing off of my face. Do you want to do this uh, this day in history? Sure, if you, if you got November some. November 30th, 88, Mike Medano, an eight-point game for the Prince Albert Raiders okay. against Portland. And that tied a franchise record at yep. the time. And one of the guests that we've had on this podcast before... Uh, was a uh, CIS All-Star, and that's Scott Flory, who played in the 1996 Vanier Cup game. The Huskies beat St. of X. Yep. And I was mentioning to you, the Huskies uh, won three Vanier Cups in the 90s and made four appearances in the Vanier yep. Cup. So that was November 30th, 96. So excellent. Now you can say goodbye. Now I can say goodbye. Thank you for interrupting me. So some great local this days in history from uh, our friends in Prince Albert and, of course, our friends over at the University of Saskatchewan uh, Husky football program. So can't wait till uh, the WHL starts and Husky football starts, hopefully next fall as well. So like I said, that does wrap things up for this week's episode of the YXC Sports Podcast. So a big thank you to everybody for tagging along, whether you listened to the audio version or whether you listened to or watched uh, the webcast. We truly do appreciate it. And the next time we talk, it will be December. Christmas is right around the corner, so make sure you get out and do some Christmas shopping. Until then, stay safe. <laughs>